Hey guys, what's happening? Yeah, this is episode 29 and it's with local poet Joe Gilbert. I had a really, really great chat with Joe, man. We covered quite a lot of interesting topics. I'm not going to give away the whole kind of episode chat um, while I'm doing this little intro. But yeah, I really appreciate Joe coming on the podcast, um, you know, sharing creative journeys, creative influences. It was really great kind of, you know, seeing from that kind of side of a poet how they what kind of inspires them and what kind of drives them so yeah i really appreciate joe coming on and also reading one of her pieces of her work during the end of the episode that was really cool of her to do yeah so um without further ado i want to stop my rambling i'm gonna let the intro play out as usual and i'll catch up with you guys at the end of the episode with your host Ike Headlam. Yeah, this is um, going to be episode 29. And yeah, my guest today is Joe Gilbert. Um, hi, Joe. Hiya. Hi. <laughs> and I'd say, like, yeah, you're a local poet. Yes. Yeah, I think um, how I kind of start each episode is to get um, the person I'm interviewing to kind of just give a brief overview of history, like um, who they are and how they kind of came to be doing this particular art form. Oh my goodness, well, that's kind of a long story. <laughs> <laughs> We've got time. <laughs> um, so I, I've always written mm-hmm. and um, so I would write pages and pages and pages of things and never show them to anybody because it was of course terrible and I was the worst writer on the planet and, and I felt like I suppose I was bearing my soul to the world and so I could never show people my work. And um, I'd been in kind of PR and marketing and sort of working in the arts for about maybe 10, 12 years and was completely miserable and was wondering why and then I remember the reason that I went back to education was to do writing because I wanted to be a writer and I was like oh yeah I remember that thing (laughs) before I actually grew up and got a career and stuff (laughs) I was like right okay so I decided to go back and do a master's degree in creative writing packed in my job um, and decided to go on this wee adventure and so when I was there sort of my idea of what I wanted to do was that like I'm a real science fiction fantasy nerd so Lord of the Rings all that wizardy shit you know I wanted to be like Ursula Le Guin or Ray Bradbury or these kind of classic sort of um, science fiction writers and you know that's what I wanted to be and then I get introduced to this um, poet called John Milton who wrote this huge biblical epic. I mean, it's like a life's work. I mean, the book is massively thick um, and the footnotes are probably bigger (laughs) than the actual poem itself, which shows you kind of, you know, how much it's been studied. And so I got introduced to this poem and and normally, like, I would have... I'm not, like, massively well-educated. I haven't read all the classics and all that. And so I was feeling a little bit intimidated and out of my depth. And I would have just dismissed it as being wordy blah. But... It just, it really had a profound effect on me. And I came out of that class feeling like a veil had been lifted off me. And I was like seeing the world for 
like and you for the first time it was bizarre it was a bizarre experience like Aye. I really didn't think that a poem could have that much effect on me and I thought right if that's what somebody you know can affect me with their writing then I want to be able to do that yeah. to other people and so I started looking into different poetry and performance and I kind of kept going back to poets like Neil Hilborn and you know the button poets and yeah. loud poets and um, started to kind of research in that project um, but still not quite believing that I could do that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went to my tutor before ideas the last one being the poetry collection right. and so I thought she was going to take maybe the first or the second one and then yeah. she was like no 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 let's do the poetry one and I was like really <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about yeah. poetry I don't know anything about being a poet and she just laughed and she said no this is the one right. so that's kind of where it all all started really. Okay, and when did you do this with your course? Was it like in Aberdeen University? No, I went to Dundee. Okay. Um, I tried six months of self-funding and working for jobs okay. <laughs> and going to uni yeah. and it didn't really work out. Okay. Um, so I dropped out after the first semester because I knew it was too much. Um, I couldn't do both. Yeah. Um, and so I waited uh, and funding came up for uh, the Emlet at Dundee. And so I went for it and I got SAS funding and right. it was like Dundee's only an hour yeah, away so you can commute, yeah. you know, yeah. I could still work, keep my kind of day job and then have two days a week for uni stuff. Mm-hmm. So it worked out really well. Okay. And when did you end up finishing your course? I graduated in November 2017 okay. with a distinction. Nice, which nice. I was so chuffed. Yeah. So chuffed about. Um, yeah, because I really, I, I really kind of flung myself into it. Yeah. I think that's the advantage of going back and being a, a, like a mature student is that you're doing something that you really want to be doing, you're and, not and doing you're, it. And I guess your mind's kind of there isn't yeah. it, when you're younger. I think that's kind of for me when I went to uni or dodge you and did social work and I realised that I, I, when I was in London, I did art design, I dropped out. I went from straight from secondary school to college. I was like, yeah, I wasn't mature enough. Maybe there's some people that can manage that. Yeah. But then for me, it's just kind of like, you know, I get like, I kind of, I'm glad I kind of did that in my late kind of 20s. I went back to uni and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think that's kind of funny because off mic when you mentioned, oh, no, we've only been doing this for like a year. Yeah. I kind of like, kind of <laughs> look like my visible face is like shocked. Like, because you're obviously been kind of really a busy person, I think, yeah. over the past since like you graduated. Yeah. So, like, um, if you could let our, like, our listeners know, like, what, since you've graduated, what, other kind of projects or other things that you've been involved in in Aberdeen or like around Scotland? Um, oh God, well, there's been loads. <laughs> um, like, it's really weird. Like, I always kind of say when I'm doing like sets and stuff like that, I kind of say it's like, you know, that Jim Carrey film that's the, the Yes Man. Oh, yes, but so, I'm yeah. doing my own version <laughs> of that yeah. called I Wifey. <laughs> <laughs> and I just push myself to yeah. do the scariest things. Yeah. And then people come and ask you to do stuff. And you just say yes, yeah. even though you're always going, no, don't do that. Um, you know, I've just been saying, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I'll do that, I'll do that. Yeah. And it's just taken me to the most amazing places. Okay. Um, and so I decided, right, you need to get over this fear. This fellow's still at uni, you need to get over this fear of reading your work in front of people. Like, I was getting to a place in my course where I was quite comfortable reading in front of my classmates. Yeah. Um, because we were forced to <laughs> from day one they made us read out aloud we read out aloud like yeah. a line each round the class we would write a response to it and we would share it like okay. and then so I had no time There's to no get to freaking out yeah. about you know they yeah. were just like do you want to be here and I was like yeah well you need to read it okay. like, oh. right. but it was really good for me yeah. 
And so I started doing, we did a little performance for the class. Um, and then the next thing was going to a local spoken word night. Um, for me, that was speaking beard, um, which I love. And it's my poetry home. And it's just, it's not pretentious or judgmental. There's all different kinds of poetry there. And all of them are accepted equally. Um, and so I felt like it was a safe place to go and kind of share my work. And so I went up and read a few poems and I didn't get bottled off the stage. <laughs> Nobody booed me. Yeah. In fact, it was the opposite. Yeah. And, the, you know, the organiser said, hey, that was really good. Come yeah. back. And I was like, OK, maybe I will. And I kind of scuttled off at half time because yeah. I was still a bit nervous. But I kept going to those things. And then that's kind of how it um, sort of escalated. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then I went to a poetry workshop that was run by an uh, American poet who's based over here, Carly Brown. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of her. No. Uh, she is the fourth bell on Twitter. And so she was doing a workshop uh, at Glasgow Women's Library who do loads of kind of really great creative things. They've got a courses that they do over summer called Creative Writing for Fearties, <laughs> which is pretty much that's where I was. And so I'd been scribbling on the train, like part of my sort of dissertation. I'm thinking, right, just scribble this, scribble that. And I went with this kind of half-written poem. And so I read it in this workshop, and she was like, that's brilliant. And so she was also giving tips on performance, like the kind of things you can do to accentuate lines or, you know, movement and a little bit of stage direction. So I really kind of took that on board. Um, And she was brilliant at at kind of um, putting that across. And then they were organising this women's, all women's poetry slam. And so it was the Glasgow Women's Library and a group called the Bonnie Fechters in Edinburgh. And they, they kind of do this thing every year. And she says, oh, you should come and you should put in to perform. And I was like, well, they're not going to accept me, but I'll go, you know, so I can learn and it'll be a nice day in Edinburgh. And, and so it was my first ever poetry slam and I went right. and I won it. <laughs> so like it was, there was a girl there that I'd been at college with years yeah. and years before yeah. and I'd been messaging her going, oh, I'm just I'm so scared and everybody's going to be much better than yeah. me and blah, 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 blah. And I, went, and I ended up winning it. So I was more surprised than yeah. anybody else. But it gave me that little taste for it. I was like, this is actually okay. Yeah. Like you kind of go through this process where, you know, before performing, it's quite exciting to start off with when you get asked. And then the closer and closer it gets to the actual thing, you question yourself <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Nobody's going to like you. Why are you saying yes to these things? And it builds and builds until the minute you get on the stage. And then for me, I feel like something else completely takes over. Okay. And I just get lost in it. Yeah. And then once it's done and you come off the stage, you're totally buzzing and you're yeah. like, I want to do that again! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess like, I seem like, I remember, I seem like, it's, like, I remember like, seeing something like Beyonce saying years ago, like, she had an alter ego called Sasha Fierce. <laughs> you know, as so, you're like, that's when she's yeah. going to perform, like, the, the nerves kind of go away and then someone takes over her and then she just goes full throttle. Yeah. So I guess if you like, um, that's what I was going to ask you, like, how do you, that, that kind of bit of the nerves... I remember kind of everything I'm doing in front of people talking, I still had that nose, and your belly's kind of doing the butterflies mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. And how you kind of manage that that transition from like you doing the guess it's the more performance you're doing, is there kind of like a way you get yourself prepared, or is this kind of like okay, now go do it and then leave the stage? Yeah. yeah. Um, I I don't know. Like, I 
Yeah, I kind of say like a little prayer to the universe okay. before I go up, yeah. like inside my head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when there's things that I know not to do, don't drink half a ton of water before you go on stage, <laughs> yeah. which is hard because you're really nervous and it makes your mouth dry yeah. as well. But I've learned through pain, I've been yeah. bursting for a pee one time, that I don't drink hundreds of water, just take little, little sips. Yeah. Um, and for me, not, not coffee. Mm-hmm. I never needed any kind of okay. stimulant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hyping enough as it is. Do not drink coffee okay. before you go on stage because yeah. it just ends up like a gibbering wreck. Yeah. And it makes me quite shaky as well. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I always have to try and go on what other people think because yeah. everybody is their own worst critic. Mm. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But like, mine's is really mean to me. Right. <laughs> and um, RuPaul's Drag Race did a thing where they had like the evil twin thing. You know, oh, and they had to like yeah, they had yeah, to do yeah. like a double sort of look yeah. where they had their inner saboteur. Yeah. Mine's is horrible, yeah. and it tells me the most horrible things. And I just, I, I, like, I spent years listening to it, and that was one yeah. of the reasons why I never showed anybody my work. And now I'm just ignoring it, yeah. and I'm putting a bin lid on it when it starts, and I'm trying to focus on what other people yeah. say because I feel like when I go up there, I'm rubbish. I stand there shaking like a round tree's jelly, you know, and everybody can see that, but that's not what other people, it's like, so I've got two choices, I either think that my saboteur is right, and everybody in the world is lying to me, or (laughs) there might be actually some truth in what people are saying. I think it's kind of like, I think that like the the self-doubt monster, as I call Mm -hmm. it, you know, you know, um, not just in like in the kind of creative kind of spheres or thing like that, but it's, it's there. I think it's there for me. It's there for lots of people yeah. I speak to, like working with you before as well. And it is like what you said, like you know, when you get a reaction, like you know, like that's probably opposite to that self doubt, and it's coming from more and more people. And the oldest, the solitary person, yeah, it's coming from. You know, yeah, absolutely, you can put a lid on that and like, <laughs> yeah, go to sleep, you know. So yeah. um I think, you know, you mentioned that the kind of slam poetry, and I think my first kind of exposure to slam poetry was watching something on YouTube, what the years ago, like Def, Def Jam Poetry. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of, like, more like, Def Jam was like a hip-hop record label for those who listen, I'm not sure. Um, and they used to have, like, a poetry kind of thing, which would be on HBO in America. And then it's like, they, they collated all these clips and videos now, it's all on YouTube, you can find them. And they're all, like, more from African-American, and also lots of people with different kind of minorities, backgrounds and genders and it was really cool. I remember seeing like Saul Williams perform um, a piece, can't remember the name of it, but it was amazing. And like um, that kind of stuff, that's kind of, no, I, I almost kind of feel like the slam poetry is very much from America and kind of, kind of shifted out yeah. across, you know, the rest of the world a bit. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's where its roots are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I suppose poetry has always been a kind of a vehicle for the underdog yeah, like yeah. I think it's starting to get a bit of coolness now yeah, you know yeah. sort of poetry um, is definitely a bit more trendy than it used to be but it's always been a vehicle for you know minority groups yeah. to be able to voice how they feel because yeah. a lot of the time the people that you know that's all they've got yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they don't they can't afford like you know 20 grand guitars yeah. and all this you know yeah. Um, and so the spoken word is, is all they have, mm-hmm. and so they just use what they've got. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think, yeah, it's it's an underdog thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not like about speaking weird as well. You yeah. know, it's not that... I think sometimes poetry can be seen as being quite... Um, 
pretentious mm-hmm. and it can be yeah. but that can be applied to anything you, yeah. you can get academic about art yeah, you know, oh, yeah, people yeah, who are yeah. well educated about art decide what art is mm-hmm. no you decide what yeah, you think your absolutely. own art is yeah. you know what I, so there's all that you know you can take academia into anything and yeah. ruin it in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> sorry to the many people but yeah you know it, it, I think it should be accessible to yeah. everybody um, but sometimes people take that and try and wreck it a little yeah. bit but they yeah. can just go and do their own thing and all and the weirdos. I know previously you mentioned Neil, um, is it Kilborn? Hellborn. Hellborn. Yeah. I've seen some of his stuff on YouTube and I love that um, um, OCD performance mm-hmm. and that one's about kind of like his own OCD love and stuff like that. And if anyone listens to this, you have to go and watch that yeah. performance. It's amazing and stuff. Um, yeah, like, so, then did you mention that you had an opportunity to do something with him? I, yeah. yeah. I so I opened for his show okay. at the Lemon Tree in Aberdeen. Okay. <laughs> right. We're sitting here and I'm like, did that really happen? <laughs> I do, but I did. Yeah. Um. So this was when I was still at uni, yeah. and I was just about finished. I was in the middle of writing my dissertation, and my pal had sent me this thing from um, a promotion company called One Inch Badge. Okay. And so I think they were like the promoters that were organising these gigs over here. And she said, you need to go for this. Yeah. And so they were looking out for support acts, like local support acts yeah. in each of the cities that he was doing his tour in the UK. And I was like, no. Oh. And it's funny because the anniversary of that just came up. You know, your stuff comes up in your yeah, Facebook yeah. memories. And I saw it and I was like, no way was that a year ago. But I was laughing. Like, there's all this self-deprecating stuff underneath. Oh, but there are people that are so more deserving of it than me. There's no way I'm going to get it. Yeah. And it just, it was such a clear picture of where my head was at yeah. at that time. Like, I just didn't have any confidence right. in my own writing at all. Um, but I did go for it. And that poetry slam that I won um, in Glasgow, they asked me to go and record a podcast for the Glasgow Women's Library. So they wanted me to um, do a little interview and then um, do some of my poems. And so I had the MP3 of that and I thought, right, I'll send that in. And so it was like weeks and weeks and weeks and I hadn't heard anything and my pal's like, have you heard anything? And I was like, no, somebody else will have got it. (laughs) And then out of the blue... The woman rang me and said, the slot's yours. Wow. Um, and sent my an email, all the details in it and everything. So I was just like, I felt sick. Because <laughs> then I was like, oh my God, have I actually got half an hour's worth of material? Like I was frantically yeah. running through all my poems and everything. It's a good job I've been writing for years. Yeah. I kind of polished some up as yeah. well. But then when I was actually practicing my set and trying to put it together, I did have half an hour I was having to cut things out because you've got to make time for speaking in between as well it's not like you just read one poem next next. you know you've got to have that little bit of dialogue in the middle as well Um, so I kind of tried to factor that in a bit Um, but I was absolutely terrified (laughs) absolutely terrified you know I had my mum and my brother and his girlfriend came and my pals and it was a good job I couldn't see them because they were all sitting crying. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but yeah, the lights are so bright in the stage when you look out, yeah, you can't see, see anybody's faces. It's just totally black. But I was quite grateful for that. Um, and because I work there yeah, as well at Lemon Tree, like the G manager, t- um, she says, Where have you been? I was like, Oh, I thought it'd be okay because I thought it was going to be like a music gig. Yeah. You know, it was the support band. It's yeah. like, 
five of their pals and a couple of other people are just really early. No, like hardly anybody goes to see the support band unless they're really well known. Yeah. And so I thought it was just going to be like that. And of course it was sold out because it was Neil Hillborn yeah. and everybody was there. Jeez. So I was like, what? <laughs> fuck, fuck. <laughs> Absolutely shitting myself. Yeah. But it was a really good experience and I was just like, right, this, you know, you've got this for a reason, just go out and do yeah. it, get over yourself. And I didn't realise that he had been watching a little bit of my set as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know, find this out until after because I would have probably lost the ability to speak. Because <laughs> he's like the rock star of yeah. poetry, yeah. you know, kind of currently. And I'd taken my little book with me and I thought, right, if I give it to his agent, maybe she'll get him to sign yeah. my book. Yeah. And so I said, Claire, would you, would you get him to sign my book? And she says, right, I'll take it just now. She says, and then once he's done his yeah. set, you know, I'll come and give you it back. And I was like, oh, that's fine. And he gave me a mention in his set as oh, well. That's really cool. Which was really, really nice. Yeah. And then he did write him a book. Yeah. And I got to meet him. Oh, I... And I managed to speak. <laughs> <laughs> like a semi-normal person. Yeah. I didn't just go, <laughs> like I'd have to be lassie. Right. Which I have done in the past and completely embarrassed myself. Right. But I just, he's just a really nice guy. And yeah. I just thanked him and I said, you know... I think that's quite uh, an admirable thing to do because I think it must be quite tempting for people to just give their pals gigs, which yeah. you would. Yeah. You know, yeah. If I was there in that position, you know, the people that I like, I would be giving them gigs. Yeah. But, you know, it give up and coming poets that opportunity mm-hmm. across the whole country. Yeah. That's a fairly admirable thing to do. Oh, definitely. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's, it, you know, it did amazing things for me. Yeah. Really opened doors for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It was Neil Hillbarn's story. <laughs> That's a really cool story. Like you know, like it's kind of like I guess you know for you it was that kind of like the kind of geeky kind of geeking out moment of just like yeah. oh my god, like are they going to be like is the first going to be like an asshole? Is it going to be really nice and yeah. stuff? And then kind of like a really nice story that like, hey, they're really cool and stuff, you know. Yeah. That's really nice. And you mentioned like um, speaking weird. And I think the, the, those performances are they like once a month. Yeah. 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 So I think it's the is it the Second or the first, I can't remember. No, I think it's the second Wednesday every month. Okay. And it is the wonderful uh, Orla Kelly, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Sparkle Chops. Okay. Dr. Sparkle Chops, as oh, she's yeah. sometimes called, that organises it. Yeah. Um, you know, and she's she's a comedian, mm-hmm. but she's also a poet. Yeah. Um, and she's just got a love of the spoken word. And I don't know how she's managed to do it, but she's really created a scene. Okay. Like, there's definitely a scene happening. And there's loads of other kind of um, performance nights that have mushroomed out of that as okay. well. Okay, like people coming there and doing their own thing yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right. like, you know, a couple of sort of um, ones ago, there were people, tur- I turned up at maybe like quarter eight, and there were no slots left. Okay. You know, so right. people are really kind of starting to wake up and doing okay. their own thing yeah. and getting brave, because it takes a lot to get up on a stage and yeah. pretty much put your heart out for its inspection. Yeah. I mean, I can't equate to anything like that except for doing presentations at university, yeah. you know, and stuff like that, and then being like, just feeling like shit myself when I was kind of like doing it, thinking, always having that mindset, go first, just go first and it's done. You know, yeah. but I think like, I've mentioned that people who like, you know, have lots of different kind of creative paths on this podcast that um, putting anything that's yours and personal out there, is like a really, you know, like a risk-taking thing, but it's like a very vulnerable thing. Yeah. You know, so this is like, for me, it's either or. Like, you're going to get both with mixed reactions of like, that's really good, or actually, oh, that doesn't really resonate with me. But you have to kind of take the good with the bad as well. Yeah. And I think like, that's it. That's like a very, 
vulnerable thing. Like for me, I can do this. Yeah. It's like one to one. Yeah. It's go, not like yeah, an yeah, audience. Yeah. yeah. But then I have to put it out there. And then when I put it out there, I think, well, people are listening to it, but I'm not seeing their reactions or what they're saying about it. And I think that's kind of like a safeguard. Yeah. Like, it's got that an- anonymity around it. Yeah. It? Yeah. So I guess, like, how does that feel when you kind of like almost like want to like, like bear in your soul a bit, like in front of people and something we don't know? Like in a performance, <laughs> how does that, like, that actually feel? It's terrifying. Okay. It is terrifying. Although I think sometimes it's easier if it's people that you you don't know. Yeah. Like I think some of the content of my poetry is quite um, graphic, and I mean it's not all about me. I'm not a complete narcissist. <laughs> with, you know, a flipping um, you know dissertation on my life, but <laughs> I take influences from the darker parts of life, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, and I was a bit of a rowdy teenager, so okay. there are elements of me in there. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's more the people you know sometimes, mm-hmm. or people that you know that know you. Like I was a bit scared about what my mum would say, because <laughs> <laughs> my mum's kind of uh, quite reserved. She's yeah. not like me at all. I'm like my father's daughter. Right. Um, you know, my brother and my mum are kind of quiet and, okay. and shy, and yeah. I'm definitely neither of those things. Right. Um, and so like. When I had my first um, poem published online, it had the C word in it, because <laughs> it was about politics and Tories and Donald Trump. Yeah. And, uh, so she, she went and looked at it, and I was kind of biting my fingernails, thinking, oh God, what's she going to think? And so <laughs> when I said to her, what did you think? She said, well, I liked it, but some people might be offended that you had to use, and she went, that word. <laughs> you know, like a little whisper, yeah, yeah. which really meant was, why did you have to use the C word in yeah. it? You know, but she was being quite diplomatic about yeah. it. So I was, a, I was a little bit scared. I was like, oh my God, how's my mum going to react? I could just hear her going, come on, <laughs> from the audience or something, yeah. you know, but she did it. Yeah. She did it. She was very proud and all okay. that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think sometimes it's, or if you know that you've used something from a friend or... It's always like, oh, that sounds familiar. Wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're going to know. Yeah. Like, I keep joking about it now. I'm like, you need to watch what you're saying around about me because it will be taken and used in poetry. Okay. So, <laughs> so basically, like, you kind of take influences from everyday life then. Yeah. Different things then. And I think, like, um, you mentioned, like... Um, Tories and Trump and stuff like yeah. that. So I guess in some of your some of your work, there's kind of like some kind of political Definitely. kind of stuff as well. Is that kind of more heavily featured now? More um, politics. Well, I've I've kind of I've got a new one which yeah. is sort of political, but it's also I suppose a little bit of a rumination on life and how consumerism and yeah. you know um, how we're just being made to buy and the pressure that's on young people nowadays with social media mm-hmm. and all this kind of yeah. stuff you know it's like when I was a teenager we had none of that yeah you know we weren't monitored or medicated or you know there was nothing caught on camera yeah. it was all we felt like we got away with murder kind of thing yeah. you know yeah. and it's like I feel sorry for young kids nowadays because they're so um have to be careful about what they see or what they do because yeah. you know it's not like you could fall out with your pals and then it's forgotten about because yeah. it's on social media yeah. and it's there. Well, this you is know. the thing, like, they're talking about like a lot of the kind of knife crimes like in London now through like the whole Snapchat thing and like and like people following each other, like some guys following another girl, or guy's girlfriend on social media. And yeah. Like, and it's not like to justify that kind of violence at all because it's disgusting and I hate it and it's just kind of like, 
I kind of think like in my day when I grew up in a house in the States, it's like we had a fight. You know, we just have a fisticuffs fight. Not that I'm like like big in the up or anything. Just no. Because yeah. then, because it was kind of like, it was like even though I grew up in a house in the States, it was still very much a kind of Caribbean African community, and that uh, people would know tell your mum about it. So yeah, we always get in trouble. <laughs> so it's just kind of like you know that's kind of things like you know how down yeah there's, there's so much pressure of yeah. young people to look especially for like young girls to look a certain way be a certain way yeah and like oh if you're not doing this or you're not doing that and stuff like that it's just kind of like it's, it's scary because I'm, I'm from that generation i was born at 81 i'm definitely from that genera- generation there was no social media yeah it was like you know pick you know fall over us cut your knees pick yourself back up wipe it down you know go yeah. out go outside and play yeah let's go outside and you get up to mischief like not down ginger all these kind of things <laughs> you know like all this kind of like experiences you can learn now like, why was I doing that it's so dangerous you know climbing walls and yeah. stuff like that but um yeah I think like now I, I spoke to someone this week an artist had a meeting with them and mentioned about the whole because stuff with like Trump and she, all, she felt like this kind of resurgence of like right right wing kind of racism and this kind of like this like sexist kind of stuff all this kind of like stuff that you think has kind of gone away so that was kind of like yeah. she said I'll put it down to that trauma and I thought like, actually no I think these things are always there yeah these things are always there it never really went away but for some reason now it seems to be like out there and open and people kind of want to be like yes we can take kids away from their parents and stuff like that you know, yes yeah. it's, it's a scary time that we're in, I think. it is it yeah. is quite frightening yeah. <clears throat> I mean I went out to the Trump thing out of okay. Bomedi yeah. last weekend mm. and it's like, you know, the, my, one of my pals that I was out with, she was getting attacked on Instagram because, she, you know, it was like, oh, well, you weren't out protesting when this Saudi Arabian leader was there. No. But just because you don't attend every protest about every injustice in the world, does that yeah. make that protest valid? Yeah. You know, and even having, like, conversation with my mum, my mum was like, well, but at least he's being honest about it. <laughs> like, mum! <laughs> so, it's okay to be racist yeah. as long as you're open about yeah. it. It's yeah. okay to be a misogynist as long as you're honest about it. Oh, well, that makes it okay if you're not trying to hide it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, these are... I think why people are so angry is that he's attacking everybody. Yeah. You know, it's people bringing dis- people, people together. Yeah. Know, like because there's all these labels, like that's another thing that came yeah. up in that poet, is this yeah. labels and what, you know, you've got to define yourself as this yeah. or you've got to be that. Mm-hmm. Human beings are just human beings yeah. and yeah. it doesn't matter what your sexuality mm-hmm. is or what kind of clothes you wear yeah. or what colour your skin is. You know, none of that matters. Yeah. People are people, and we've all got feelings, you know, but that's the way I see it anyway. And all of these kind of labels and divisive and groups and, you know, it's divide and conquer. It is, it is. And I guess, like, I'm going to take this out of context, but I think he's probably quite a smart person that he knows. I like to think that he probably thinks he knows what he's doing, but then half the time I don't think... He does. You think like, you know, you think when he came down, it's like I'm not a fan of the Tories whatsoever. And I think he's kind of like saying like like right in front of her, like, Oh yeah, Boris Johnson's a really nice guy and so I was thinking like you know, even <laughs> that kind of bit of like actually just kinda of like being a decent all round human being is yeah. not even there. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is so like I think whether he gets another four years or not, I think um 
doing stuff like you know we said that you just holding the protest and actually speaking up about it as well. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, like if someone's getting trolled on bloody Instagram because they attend one thing, doesn't make them less passionate yeah. about it, you know? Because everyone has to live their lives as well. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Yep. No, yeah. Or being called you know a liberalist like it's an insult. <laughs> yeah. So sorry to be human and have actual feelings about things. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think that's another thing as well when people kind of say like, oh no, this is not on of like, oh what a snowflake or all liberal, like, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff like, you know, don't know how their feelings but like, no, this is like just being a decent person to our fellow brothers and sisters regardless of skin colour. Yeah. It's just like a good thing. Just just treat people like, okay, like like have a nice day, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take everything, that's free. Yeah. And yeah, so that 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 does yeah, it does bug me and it does kind of worry me as well, especially like you see stuff happening in America all the time. Like, geez, like I always kind of thought like, yeah, I'd like to like you know go to America and you know visit that place and stuff. But then I feel very much more anxious about it all the time. Yeah, I see something happen in that country and it's like not a chance. Yeah, you know? I I really have no desire to yeah. <laughs> to go to America at all. You know, I'm not a Disney person. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been a girly girl and I'm yeah. not a Disney person, so that holds no attraction mm. for me. I think I might like, I would quite like New Orleans because they've yeah. got the kind of whole jazz and blues yeah. scenes and the, you know, the kind of music y mm. thing. I would like to go yeah. um, to that mm. and go to like a proper, authentic, like a bluesy gig. That would be amazing. Yeah. Maybe San Francisco, I don't yeah. know. But I've got no kind of desire to do the whole American dream thing because yeah. it's just a lie. Oh, it's it a lie they're yeah. being peddled, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, th- I think it's more or less for the haves, not the have yeah. isn't it? You know, this kind of American dream. And I think everyone now, probably in America, you know, goes to any route what possible, even yeah. though kind of one of crime to kind of make this perception of actually making it, you know? Yeah. I think that's sort of like, it's kind of the ultimate kind of capitalist kind of view, isn't it? Like, yeah. if you're not living by the certain standard, you haven't made it. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Um, but yeah, going back like your work what other kind of themes are kind of come out from like your work oh my goodness there's loads in there so i mean there's no there's no subject (laughs) that i won't go into and i think that's that was kind of like my tutor's fault because like you know when i first started i hadn't really read very widely and so i didn't know what kind of subject matter was in poetry and all this kind of thing and it's pretty much there's nothing that nobody else hasn't done already you know it's the same as literature i think it's very difficult to come up with something truly original um you know, but you can kind of take things or, or topics and put your own stamp on it. And uh, I kept going with these poems, me thinking that I was being really edgy and hardcore, and she'd be like, go darker. And I'd be like, Wednesday? <laughs> what do you mean, go darker? Um, so, like, my first my first kind of collection that I did for my creative project is all in Doric. Yeah. Um, and so the idea behind that was that, like, a lot of Doric poetry is very kind of twee and um, it's often used for comedy, like Aberdonians kind of take the piss out of themselves yeah. with Doric. Yeah. Um, you know, it's about fields and farms and bothies and landscapes and all this kind of stuff, which is wonderful, you know, and it's needed and, you know, I'm all for kind of celebrating our heritage, but if you want to keep an indigenous language alive, then how are you going to engage kids yeah. with poems about fields and farms? Yeah. You're no, you know, that's just, they're not... And so kind of the idea was that, right, I'm going to talk about pregnancy yeah. and sexual consent. Mm-hmm. And there's one that's called pedo, which is quite graphic. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I kind of wanted to explore all these almost taboo subjects. Yeah. So there's, you know, drug use and there's stuff about the rave scene. 
um, you know, kind of uh, little sort of dissertations on politics, you know, why can't Doric be used as a serious language to talk about love and politics yeah. and other things? Um, <clears throat> you know, so there's a whole kind of load of stuff in there. Um, I quite like the dark side of things, so I kind of tend to go... <laughs> I'm drawn towards that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to be like writing about nature, poetry, yeah, and birds, yeah. you know, <laughs> flapping around all happy and shit. That's definitely yeah. not what yeah. I do. Um, but like, I think sometimes as well, I don't have the same confidence. Like, I'm quite confident with the funny stuff because mm-hmm. I like reaction. I yeah. like being making people laugh and all that kind of thing. But the darker stuff, you know, it's like what we were saying earlier on, where you know, there is elements of yourself in yeah. that, and so there's that kind of vulnerability when you do the darker stuff. Yeah. I think as well for me is because I set myself up okay. kind of doing the funny stuff okay. to start off with, and then there was one time at Speaking Weird it just went completely dark, okay. and people were just like, oh, <laughs> this is not what you normally do. Yeah. And so there's that feed in me as well. <gasps> oh my God, they don't like me anymore. Yeah. You know, um. I think there is that kind of pressure to keep delivering the same thing, but I'm really trying to push myself out of that. So I've done sets where I've done a mixture of, you know, quite dark stuff and then other funny stuff. I suppose it just depends on the the set as well. Um, You know, like I did um, a feature set for a charity gig that was raising money for alcohol and drugs action. And so that, obviously, I kind of took the sort of addiction-y-themed poems and, you know, there's a Doric one about... A father that ends up drinking himself to death, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is quite sad. Yeah. So I kind of picked different poems that would sort of fit into the theme of yeah. that night. I mean, I don't always, but, um, you know, it, I suppose it just depends on the show at yeah. the time, I think. But yeah, there's no no holds barred. I'm quite willing to explore okay. pretty much anything. Right. <laughs> I guess, like, um, how some, like, after your performances, like, what's the kind of, like, most kind of interesting kind of feedback that you've kind of had about some of your performances? Oh, my goodness. Um, somebody actually came up to me and said, I know you don't like doing the dark stuff, but please keep doing it right. because you're really, really good at it. Yeah. And she nearly made me cry. Okay. <laughs> right. I had, like, very tea, yeah. and she gave me a hug, and I just thought, right, okay. And I think... You know, that's that's kind of one of the reasons why I do it. You know, mm-hmm. it, I get something out of it. Yeah. You know, by getting my poetry out of my head and onto my page, you know, that's a kind of way of me dealing with things mm-hmm. almost. Is it kind of like exercising demons? Yeah, like, 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 oh, it's almost like therapy. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I've got all this stuff going round and round in my head. And so if I can get it out of my head and onto the paper, that's a way of kind of processing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote a poem just not long ago. My pal died um, quite suddenly. And so this kind of poem was inspired by her and another friend that passed away a few years ago. And uh, I just get such a lot out of performing it. And it's kind of helped me to go through that grieving process yeah. where, you know, I'm celebrating the parts of her that I loved. and But I'm also kind of um, dealing with the parts that, that I maybe didn't love so much, yeah. you know, and being able to deal with, because you get angry at people for leaving you sometimes. I think yeah. you know, when someone yeah. asks me, "How could you die?" Like, yeah. <laughs> do it to you, yeah. you know. But it's that kind of natural yeah. part of the grieving process. Yeah. You have to go through that anger feeling to get yeah. to the well. Okay, they're gone, but you know, this is the thing that I remember yeah. about them, and 
think you, it, you remember yeah. the things you love the most I think I think that's the thing with like bereavement or like you lose someone that you love and you care about you, I, I don't know whether there's a kind of naive child wonder still in us as adults that, yeah. that perception of that one person was going to be around forever and yeah. then, you, like, then you lose a person they're going to hit you off shit yeah this is life yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. happen to me like yeah. everyone I care about you know we're all going to go at one time and yeah. stuff but I think that's really kind of beautiful the way you kind of explained like yeah like you could do this kind of process and kind of speak about the things that you really loved about this person also the things that you found a bit difficult yeah. but then you're getting, getting out there because it's like like you know it was kind of one that last conversation uh, you yeah know, I think like but like you'll never get that last conversation I don't, and if you had the opportunity you wouldn't want just the one conversation that's it, is it you know yeah. so yeah I think that's really kind of um, cool that you know someone else that someone can come up to you and just kind of like resonate with you and say like are we like it may used to like be quite dark, but I really like what you've done there. Yeah. Keep, keep pushing that, keep exploring that. Yeah. Well. And um, so, like, you kind of won your first poetry slam. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And would, would there be an opportunity for you to kind of, are you, will you be doing that again at some point, getting involved with some more poetry slams? Yes. Right. Um, I mean, I also won the stanza. Uh, which is St Andrew's Poetry Festival, which yeah. is kind of like um, Scotland's major poetry festival. I won their slam this year, okay. which again I was very surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I was very surprised about because I saw the people that were in it and I thought, oh my god, I've got no chance. Okay. You know, I mean, some of these people are in like the Glasgow Uni slam team and stuff, yeah, and toured the country performing. I was just like, well, I've got no chance. But I love doing it. You yeah. know, I'm not. I think if I go in there with that mindset that I've got to win or I've got to be better than anybody else mm-hmm. and kind of all that ego stuff. If I go in there, I'm just setting myself up Absolutely, for disaster, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and it takes the enjoyment out of it. Like, yeah. I don't want it to be a job. I don't want to be, you know, ambitious and I'm going to have this by this, you know, yeah. year or whatever. I really not put those kind of pressures onto myself. Yeah. Um, or I try not to. Like, I was getting quite <clears throat> worked up a few months ago about not having any publication in print (laughs) and so the inner saboteur was coming out again it's like right I've got her now you're shit you haven't had anything printed (laughs) that means you will be you're not a real poet you know and uh, I can't I can't say anything yet but that might change in the near future yeah, as well. I can't, I can't, because I've been told not to say anything, okay. but um, it may be something that's changing in the near future. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> she says a real glee yeah. smile on her face. I but know. I think um, one thing that you kind of said about um, going to something and not kind of having, it's good to not put your ego into it, and I think a lot of people have interviewed on the podcast before that say, you know, not to have that kind of view about monetizing stuff and how yeah. they, like, and it seems to be like things seem to just come their way. Opportunities yeah. is like you no, know, they've been said, okay, I've done this, and then somebody else recognised it, and then hence comes work and stuff, and yeah. it's been a natural transition. But I think that's kind of like a key thing that happens that when people are kind of like just speaking about their kind of career paths, is like it's that natural kind of transition. They haven't forced it, they haven't pushed it, and yeah. said. I should be getting this, and this is why I'm owed, or this is why I'm due. So it's kind of like, okay, it's led to opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity. Yeah. I think that's kind of really cool that that's like, you know, that's for you, that's going to be happening as, as well, even in that kind of space of like a year. Yeah. But it all come up to a year that you know, you've graduated, and then all these things kind of open up to you. 
I know um, you're going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe yes, this year as well. And what's the title of your performance? <clears throat> um, well, I'm in other people's shows. Okay. Um, so I'm in a comedy show called Rave for Dice's Afternoon Tea. Um, and other spiffing personages, I think the title is, which I quite like. Yeah. Um, and so that is on the 9th of August in the afternoon from 2.30 at the newsroom in Leith. And then that night as well, on the 9th of August, I'm in um, Max Scratchman's show called Portrait Bordello. Um, and so it's a very kind of sort of burlesque sort of themed night where there's no holes barred, right. anything goes, there's all the weirdos coming together, okay. which I like, yeah. right up my street. Right. Um, you know, the women can dress as men, men can dress as women, okay. there's all that kind of um, thing going on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be doing that show, and now I've got a wee uh, 10 minute set at that show as well. Right. So I'm really looking forward to it because yeah. I've never performed at Fringe before, obviously. Right. I've only doing this for a year. Um, <laughs> and who knows, maybe yeah. next year I might have my own show, you never know. Yeah, and I think like, um, you did mention like, you know, like in Aberdeen there's like a, a growing scene now for like, yeah. performances and stuff like that. And where do you think that kind of, where do you think that kind of came about or came from? What do you think? Do you think it's like there's this change in kind of creativity and culture happening in Aberdeen at the moment? Yeah. Like it's on the back end of that a bit? Definitely, yeah. I think the the kind of save culture bit, something happened during that. And I think a lot of kind of people started talking to each other and listening to each other. Whereas, you know, the sort of arts and cultural sector is a bit, these, this is my group yeah. and we're not going to talk to you, yeah. you know, in case you steal their ideas. Yeah. You know, it was very kind of closed off and there wasn't a lot of partnerships and things going on and something, you know, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, yeah. but something shifted. Yeah. Thinking, probably, this is usually how this starts. Um, you know, and the, the University <coughs> Literary Society they kind of started up a thing and I think that's where it grew out of and then Orla started up speaking weird and then there's a women's um, open mic that me and Hannah started up and it was only going to be a one-off for International Women's Day. It's now grown into a monthly thing. Um, Rebecca Dunn, she started up something similar and it's not just spoken word, it's dance and music and, you know, young performers. I mean, there was a wee girl there playing the harp, which was beautiful. You know, but it's given people, and it's women only as well, which I think is fantastic. Um, Because a lot of the time these things are quite male-dominated and there's not as much opportunity for women to kind of go and perform or they feel like they can't because it's more intimidating. So, I mean, we've got two women's monthly women's open nights, uh, mic nights now. And then there's also a new one that started off, which is a little slightly leaning more to cor- towards comedy, but again, quite varied. And it's called Starving Artists. Right. And that's at the end of the month um, on a Tuesday night, I think it is, at the old King's Highway. Okay. So there's all these things kind oh, of stringing up not, out yeah. of nowhere, yeah. Yeah. you know, really, but I'm saying not out of nowhere, but. It's that kind of old adage that creativity breeds creativity. Yeah, the more people do stuff, the yeah. more people do stuff because yeah. it's sparking everybody's ideas and, you know, it's fantastic, really fantastic it to is, be a part it's, of. It's a, it's a really kind of special time to kind of be a part of kind of creative kind of cultural scene. And yeah. Being, I think I'm always kind of deliberately just kind of sharing every and everything with my friends who, like, my background as a social worker, who kind of, and I was kind of like... They say, oh, like, oh, I'm not that creative and stuff, you know. I was kind of always struggle when people say that. I think everyone yeah. can be yeah. creative, you know. It's just yeah. like, 
whether it lies dormant, but there's something there you have, you can do something that maybe I find a bit of a challenge, you know. Yeah. As well, I think there's like there's so much is going on in Aberdeen at the moment, and I think it's actually the key now is actually kind of make it grow and hang on to it and have ownership of it as well. Yeah, know? absolutely. I think, yeah, I think I, stuff like you know like the creative funding team definitely helps me, and it helps a lot of people as well. Kind of get set up and you know get their projects going as well. I think like um, <coughs> long may those kind of things and those like opportunities of funding like long may they exist as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah, I think it's, it's also kind of like you see like kind of bits. Like, obviously, I'm not from Aberdeen, but you see like people from Aberdeen all like making it at home. They're putting back into the community and stuff yeah. like that, and in that kind of culture and creativity. That's really good that you're a part of that as well. Yeah. So what else is kind of coming up for you? There's some people we probably can't speak about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there'll be announcement in early uh, August or yeah. something. Aye. Um but yeah, I can't I can't say any more about that. Aye. Um oh god, I'm trying to think. I'm doing a, a feature set at um the next women's open mic at the Cult of Coffee, <coughs> which is Monday the thirteenth of August, I think, off the top of my head. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um and then before that I've got my fringe shows as well. Mm-hmm. Um I'm also going to be in a film. <laughs> okay. Just drop that in there. It's going to be in a film. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the I think it's the Bonacord Civic Heritage Society or Trust. Yeah. Um, they are making a short film about the Grill Pub, oh, which okay. used to be men only. Yeah. And there was an incident in the in the 1970s where the women had done enough. Of not getting into this pub. And I think it was the TUC, I think it was the trade union women went Mm. in and stormed the pub and demanded that they be served. And the the pub landlord was trying to argue that there's no ladies' facilities here for you. And so they're kind of winding up and saying, What do you mean? You know? Um, so it's a short film about that. So I've got a tiny little part. I mean, it's a tiny little part. Which that's that's one of the oldest pubs in Aberdeen as well, the Grill. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I've been there a few times. I didn't know that story. It's interesting. So it, that's really that's really exciting. And again, right. that was through being at different performance nights and, and meeting new people. Yeah. And I'm saying, hey, do you want to come and audition for this film? And so right. instead of listening to my inner saboteur going, yeah. I went, yeah. I'll come. Yeah. <laughs> that's really good, man. Look you forward know. to that as well. I'm sure you'll put that up on like social media and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also in another film. <laughs> <laughs> Very briefly, yeah. but I've been commissioned to write a piece of spoken word for it as well. Like there's a project at my my job, my day job, um, called Resonate Disseminate. And so they're trying to um, see how our creative model would work in a rural area and so they've had artists doing loads and loads of stuff um, and one of the things they're doing is making a horror film okay and so they had people out shooting in dr gray's hospital at elgin and and so it's all staff and and local people and visitors to the hospital that's involved in it and got different parts and so what they did was they wanted me to write a piece of spoken word and then record vocals over the top of it so they've taken like shots um of me as the sort of narrator in the hospital radio place and it'll be like do you remember question a sport where they used to do the guest thing where you yeah. could just see like an eye uh, yeah, chin yeah, yeah. and you know microphone in the background yeah. so they're going to do it that way so it's going to look kind of cool but obviously because i hadn't written the narrative yet yeah. and so i'm going to get to write a piece for this horror film so you said that kind of bit of my of that film in the film the warriors yeah and you've got a person to put on the mic yeah 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 
So I look forward to that as well. Yeah. yeah so I'm cool. really excited. I mean, it'll be a few weeks yet before I get to see the edited version. Yeah. And then I'm going to watch the edited version and see kind of where things need tied together or where I can kind of put little bits of spoken word in it. But yeah, that's yeah. so exciting. All right, cool. Yeah, you've got loads of stuff going I on. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to kind of keep up with you definitely like on social media. I think um, before we kind of finish up the interview, I did ask you if you, if you was okay to perform yeah. your pieces. I'll that's do a cool. That's cool. So yeah, um, Joe Gilbert's going to perform one of her poems for us just now. And I'm going to shut up and <laughs> over to you, Joe. Thank you. Uh, this is usually a fan favourite. I'm saying a fan favourite, like I've got loads of fans, but people like this one, I think, because they identify with it. <clears throat> and it's called My afternoon slumps at work are haunted by an evil spectre. I stretch and yawn in my office chair and stupidly look at the clock. It is 49 minutes past two and the witching hour is almost upon me. A funding application deadline looms over my head like a big black rain cloud. I don't have time for this shit. I hunch back over my keyboard, white knuckling my way through the afternoon slump. I'm in full flow, Olympic typist of the year, hammering out great sounding wordy blah, that translated just says, gonna keep the money. Our projects have a good. And then it comes quietly, but insisting harder each time. Go and get cake. No. Go and get cake. Nope. Go and get cake! No! But you are tired, it wheedles like Satan himself. Aye, I'm tired, but cake will not make me feel any more awake. No, but it will give you a break, the beautiful cake, and it will taste good. And you, my little chickadee, will feel good. Aye, that might be true, but I'm on to you. I've been down this road with you too many times before. Once the cake is gone, I will be sad because I succumb to you, evil cake. Be gone, temptress, with your sugary delights, because you'll just make me feel more tired and pissed off at myself, and I'll just want more cake. But you could just have one. No! Ah, go on! No, you're not Mrs Doyle from Father Ted. You're not funny, and I'm not having any cake. You will, you will, you will, you will, you will. This goes on for about 25 minutes, but I'll spare you lot the verbatim. I dig my heels in, determined. A colleague switches on the kettle, that familiar rustle. We are the biscuits hiding in the cupboard. We are the biscuits, you know we are there. We are the biscuits, tiny and delicious. We are the biscuits and not as bad as cake. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. My resolve cracks like chocolate on a cake. And I crumble, telling myself the fatal lie. The diet starts tomorrow. <laughs> well done for not yeah. laughing at that. 
Yeah, the thanks for that. Thanks for performing that. Yeah. That's the that's the one that's the that's the one that really kind of resonated with people when you first did that. Though. Yeah, everybody likes the cake one. Okay, yeah. that's really cool. I enjoyed that. But I try not to laugh into that shit. If I laugh and then don't interrupt it, but I really enjoyed that. Thank you. So, Joe, where can like people follow or find you on social media? Okay, so I've got my own blog, um, which is Tales for the Doric Side. Um, <laughs> this is obviously a parody of Tales from the Dark Side. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. Uh, you can find me as Joe Gilbert Writer, or it's at Muckle Writing. Um, and my handle on Twitter is at Muckle Writing as well. Uh, and I've also got an Instagram account, which is at Muckle Writing. Yeah. I just made them all the same. <laughs> just so cool. that people can find you. Yeah. You know, uh, it's kind of easier to do awesome. that. Um, and yeah, so if anybody wants to book for gigs or workshops or anything like that, they can also give me an email on joegilbertwriter at gmail.com. Um, and I would be quite happy to fit it into my busy schedule. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you're going to fit that in, Jesus. Well, I'll yeah. find a way, I'll always oh, find a way. Nice one. Well, Joe, Joe, that was Joe Gilbert, um, episode 29 of the Creative Me Podcast. Joe, thank you very much for coming on and performing your piece as well. We really enjoyed that. And yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll catch up with you soon. So bye for now. Yeah, so back for another little chat. Um, what did you guys think of my episode with Joe? I really enjoyed like her, her sense of humour. I think she's, you know, really got a natural funny bone, if you say, I think. Um, for like, you know, her, you know, doing this for about a year, you know, she obviously's kind of like got a really good kind of work ethic and she's put a lot of content out there if you follow her on social media as well you kind of see that she's very kind of active and in doing a lot of kind of interesting things and I think you know it will be this month so in August now I think she will be possibly heading to the fringe just now I'm not sure but you know wish Joe um the best of luck with her fringe dates down in Edinburgh I'm sure she'll do really good um yeah so kind of like the next episode which will be next week episode 30 is with um, fashion and textile graduate from Grey School of Art, Amy Murat. That was recorded a few Sundays ago, so that was a really good chat with Amy. Covered a lot of things as well during that episode. So yeah, I'm definitely open to kind of speaking to like recent graduates as well from Grey School of Art. I think it's kind of really cool to kind of you know touch base with them, see where their journeys are going, if they're staying in Aberdeen or if they're kind of moving further afield, going down south or other parts of Scotland. That'd be cool to have chats, you know, with um, Grey School of Art graduates. So give me a shout if you are a graduate and if you listen to this podcast. So, yeah, um, I think, yeah, there'll be some interviews lined up in August and September. In between, I'll still be going on holidays and having little breaks here and there. So, uh, yeah, and also kind of thanks to um, some recent people as well, kind of giving me a shout out, dropping me personal messages about the podcast and stuff so really appreciate that so yeah man i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and i'll catch up with you on episode 30 next week all right bye for now